Happy Independence Day weekend. Often our celebrations of the 4th of July, they stir up the American public into a euphoric celebration that includes fireworks and parades and apple pie and lots of singing. And we've all had that type of holiday. And people we know have always reveled in the fun and the joy of it all. Rarely, though, does Independence Day serve as a catalyst for reflection or contemplation about the status of our national life, but this year, some of you might just be doing that. As some reflect on the troubles of our modern day, seeing wider divides in society, greater disagreements within families, witnessing abhorrent acts of blatant racism, mourning the loss of valuable employment and not having the ability to see that far down the road ahead, many of these troubles in our modern day are truly quite daunting. Juxtapose these feelings with the fact that the New York Times published an article at the very end of 2019 entitled, For Humanity Overall, Life Just Keeps Getting Better. Even a few months ago, that article's title and content was still surprising and wholly unexpected. In the middle of this pandemic, I'm sure most people do not agree with that article at all. But the reality is that using Independence Day as a time to reflect might only lead us to further confusion. Has God bless America come true for us? Or has God somehow seemed distant and far off in the past few months? Hmm? Both might be true. After, our, after all, our feelings are our feelings, but they're not facts. They're real because they're feelings, but they are feelings, not facts. About a hundred years ago now, Christianity saw itself as times being better than ever before. Christianity saw itself at an absolute high point. The number of Christians worldwide were growing and growing almost exponentially, and new innovations made it easier for people to travel all over the globe. This establishment evangelism seemed to be the hope for the world, at least in the eyes of the white establishment that directed it. The hope for the world. Behind the scenes, though, God was up to something different, wholly different also. In practically rather forgotten or hidden places, like an industrial neighborhood in Los Angeles in the early 1900s, a new expression of Christianity poured out from an old, dilapidated two-story house at 312 Azusa Street. There, participants came, many African-American, some Latino, even a few white people. They came to visit by the thousands to experience new expressions of God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. A revival of sorts broke out, and thousands came to this community, which was initially expected, this revival was only expected to last about three years, and it ended up lasting almost eight. God's Spirit was indeed doing something new for the people of God. Church was becoming an experience not just for one people of God, but for all the people of God, worshiping the same God as one people together.
Then World War I broke out, and every dream of the expansion of Christendom stopped. The Azusa Street Revival ended. Imperial powers who all claimed to be Christian nations suddenly found themselves at war, and people died, first by the hundreds of thousands, and then by the millions. Later, the 1918 flu pandemic broke out, eventually reaching 500 million infections globally, with 50 million people dead. What now? Where was God and God's love in any of this? The spiritual life of Christian America was forced into crisis. Many mainline churches couldn't fully grasp what had happened to the world. Some individuals, they abandoned their faith altogether. The euphoria of Christianity's global expansion wasn't going to be the same ever again. And at home, Christians, unfortunately, reverted back to their very segregated houses of worship again. But several years after the war, many of the leaders of the Azusa Street Revival began planning for regathering, a reunion of sorts. This time it was going to take place with a new hope, in a new intentional way, purposely integrating people of various backgrounds, and was going to be another genuine opportunity to experience God in a new way. But the leaders wanted a new song, one to spo that spoke to what people had experienced, the previous euphoria, the previous joy, and the heartbreak, and the disappointment, and the absolute exhaustion of all who were left in the aftermath of war and a pandemic. Enter the Reverend Thomas Dorsey, not Tommy Dorsey of the Big Band era, but Thomas Dorsey, the jazz musician, the blues singer, the preacher, and the songwriter. Thomas was living the dream of the 1920s, having published over 400 songs and then getting married to the love of his life, Nettie Harper, at the end of the decade. His life was one success after another. It was amazing. But then, tragedy struck in an all-too-familiar way. Thomas's wife died in childbirth, and his son died the very next day. The grief was so unbearable that Thomas Dorsey had a total breakdown. Where was God in this? In this seemingly absolute and total devastation. And in his process of grieving and healing, Thomas somehow found the courage to write. This time, not a dance number, not a ballad, not even something overly rhythmic. Thomas decided now was the time to get real with his life and to rest his soul upon Jesus, to write in a way that answers our gospel for today. We've heard this tune before. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on through the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. This song was an instant success. 
from the likes of Albertina Walker, Mahalia Jackson, B.B. King, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, and even Beyonce at the Emmys a few years ago, this song rang true and continues to ring true today. The words of Thomas Dorsey resonated the truth of today's gospel. When Jesus laments that earlier prophecies are not heeded, and his own proclamation of freedom in God's kingdom is ignored, or even worse, ridiculed, Jesus takes a new approach. He speaks to one of the most basic, troubling realities of our lives, our weariness, our exhaustion, and our need to rest. And he takes these vulnerabilities we all have, and he transforms them into an entry point to living in God's kingdom. He takes these aspects of our lives and assures us that God can redeem them, too. He takes the things we feel when we might believe that God has gone really far off, takes the things when we might believe that our God no longer cares, that those things that break us down, and Jesus stares straight at those qualities and tells us, I will give you rest. I will refresh you. I will give you a new purpose and a new way to be. The rest that Jesus offers gives us life. In fulfillment of Isaiah's ancient prophecies that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, Jesus does that exactly for us today. Yes, this pandemic is hard. Yes, our lives being put on hold are a major disruption to everything. Yes, the tragedies we witness in our society are bitter pills to swallow. Yes to all of that. But Jesus will give us rest. Jesus will refresh us, and Jesus will show us a new way to be so that we will indeed walk again and not faint. Our strength will be renewed. We will no longer be weary. We will no longer faint. Jesus will refresh us in the rest and respite that he offers. And this rest renews us, not just because it helps us take a nap. That's not the point. Even though naps are awesome, that's not what Jesus is getting at. The rest Jesus offers gives us life. Jesus is inviting us to use this very moment, this Independence Day weekend, as a holiday to rest, to reflect, and to lean into the invitation of God to be changed as human beings, so that our goals and purposes and dreams start mirroring God's purposes and hopes and dreams. What could be more vital? Jesus offers us rest so that we can acknowledge how we're weary today of the actions of our past, of the sadness of the world, of the lethargy of social isolation. And Jesus gives us an opportunity to see new purposes in him. The new purposes of doing justice, loving mercy, and humbly walking alongside God in all that we do. So that when we step out tomorrow on July 6th, when we conclude our Independence Day weekend, we will not be exhausted, but ready ready to hear God's call to us to turn to Jesus for rest and refreshment 
each and every day to find our refuge in the mission of healing the world through the purposes Jesus sets out for us, seeking out those on the margins, those who are shut out from being fully participatory in society, to find our purpose in life in God's purpose, and to partner alongside Jesus to accomplish whatever it is that we ourselves and we together can do in the here and now, breathing new life for creativity and innovation and courage to do the work that God gives us to do. The rest Jesus offers us gives us life. We might not feel equipped to start today, but now is as good a time of any to reach out into the rest and refuge of Christ, to reach out out to the never-ending guidance of the Holy Spirit, to reach out out to the loving hands of God this day and every day by starting your day with the words that Thomas Dorsey himself needed to hear, those words that we ourselves need to hear. Precious Lord, take my hand. Precious Lord, take my hand. Precious Lord, take my hand. At the end of every day, we pray these words too, so that the work we've begun today with Jesus gives everyone on this earth an even brighter tomorrow.